Hello and welcome to our brand new weekly show, Imperial Cantina. I'm your host, Jackson Daylene. I don't know what that was, but I'm Brayden Ledbetter. <laughs> I'm trying to do stuff with the with the intro. <laughs> welcome to our welcome to our weekly show, guys. This is um, our little branch off uh, uh, Imperial Cantina, our guest talking show. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, Attack of the Clones, and I have we have our special guest today, Alan Surgeon. Alan, I went to high school with. Alan, how are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? We're hanging out. We're hanging out. So. Uh, We'll just kind of get right into this and get to know how I didn't know Alan was a big Star Wars fan until, you know, doing this podcast. So we're going to we're going to kind of get into you and figure out what uh, what you know and like about the Star Wars. So I guess just going off, what have you what do you what do you what do you watch, read, play anything Star Wars now? What's your current Star Wars, you know, routine? All right. So I want to start off and tell you guys, you're going to be mad. I have not finished Clone Wars, but lately what I've been on, I'm I never got into boat. Clone I'm Wars I'm in the too same much. boat. I have not finished Clone Wars yeah. either. I remember the first episode I listened to, I was I was like, all right, he hasn't finished it either. I feel a little better, but I'm actually on Rebels right now and I'm loving Rebels. Oh, it's like, so more good. More than I even like Rebels Clone Wars. I'm, I think I'm uh, about halfway through season three, so it's, it's oh, getting good. Oh, it gets so oh, you're good. Getting, you're getting close Just then, wait. yeah. Yeah. Thrawn just That's got introduced awesome. to all that stuff, so I'm real excited. And That's then I'm awesome. also replaying uh, Fallen Order. Which I'm loving. I need again. to do that. <laughs> yeah. Is this your it's, first time replaying it, or? Yeah, it's my first replay. I played it when it cool. first came out and beat it in like probably a week. So this yeah, is my first time right. replaying it. I had to play on like explore mode because I'm so bad at video games. Yeah, no, I'm the right. same way, bro. I wasn't gonna say it, but me too. <laughs> See, I I think I hundred percented on my first playthrough for me. Mm. Yeah, dude, I I couldn't I couldn't hundred percent it even the first time. That's why I guess I just restarted because I was so defeated by the first time. So. It's a difficult game too. It has its moments. I'm not good at those, stri- you know, styles of fighting games like that. Yeah, absolutely. hack and slash for me. That's why I had to go down to that easy difficulty. <laughs> uh, Alan, what what was your like introduction to Star Wars? How 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 was it introduced into your life and kind of affected you? Uh, so this is actually the perfect movie to start on because my brother probably introduced me to the prequels when I was like. I mean, when they were coming out, we were, mm-hmm. we were little kids, you know, so that's what I started on was Phantom Menace and this and then Revenge of the Sith was Revenge of this. I'm sorry. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. I'm tripping. That was the first one I saw in theaters uh, ever, which was real uh, traumatizing for a little kid like me. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I started off on the prequels and um, my, my little brother, shout out to him. He got me. Uh, he got me started on Star Wars and it, it just went downhill from there. Yeah, it just it's always it's a slippery slope, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I guess going through, you know, just the different sagas and what in the different trilogies, which which character you know, kind of resonates to you and sticks out to you most? Who's your favorite? So he got a lot of hate, but Hayden Christensen is Anakin Skywalker. I loved and this is probably biased because I grew up on him, but I thought everybody's like, oh, he's so monotone. But I feel like that, you know, I think that made his character what it is. I feel like that was how it was supposed to be played. And I thought he actually through his monotone, he kind of like. Uh, showed a lot of emotion, if that makes sense. So yeah. I really resonated with him. That's what's up. I really liked his character. That's solid. Yeah, That's I've, cool. I've always been an Anakin kind of guy, and yeah, definitely. Hayden's performance is not really something that is like it's not something that has like drawn me away from Anakin at all. And then like I, I didn't really even notice it until people online said, "Hey, guess yeah, what? Hayden Christensen sucks." And then I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, I guess he does kind of suck." And then like I, you guys want to hear something crazy about 
So I grew up loving him, right? I read recently that in the Revenge of the Sith that his hair was extensions. Did you guys yeah. know that? Yep. It so that messed was. me yeah. up. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. That, that messed me up for real. Luscious Skywalker hair is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alan, why? What? Give me kind of a sentence uh, reply on just what exactly do you love about Star Wars? What is it that connects uh, to you personally? I don't know. I think there's something for everyone. So I grew up with a lot of siblings and I have sisters and brothers. So we all kind of me and my brother, we loved obviously the lightsaber fights uh, Anakin being badass. My sisters, they could like the, uh, you know, the love story with Padme and Anakin, Leia and Han, all that stuff. And uh, I think it's just got someone for, for every every type of person, every age group. Uh, everybody can find something to love about it because, I mean, we all started as kids and we're we're all in our 20s now still loving it. So, yeah, you know, yep. it, it resonates. Well, cool. Cool. My final question for you is um, what's what are you most excited for? You know, just TV. Oh, and there's man. a lot coming, too. So TV shows, books and video games and all that fun stuff. Uh, I'll be the first to tell you I haven't read that many of the books, but uh, I'm literally listening from your guys' stuff. I'm I'm excited for what's coming up in the uh, what's it called? Is it the High Republic or is it the yeah, the yeah. High Republic? Okay, yeah. that stuff sounds cool. I still got to read those books. I'm really excited for uh, Mandalorian season three. Yeah, of course, yeah. it's going to be awesome. And wrote down one other one. Oh, uh, sorry, might have to cut this. Oh, the new open world game. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The Ubisoft game. game. That's yeah. I've got to yeah. keep my so eye on for. I, I haven't read anything more about that, but if it's anything like what I'm hearing, it's going to be it's going to be awesome, and it's Star Wars, so it can't be bad, you know. Yeah, right. It's good content. We'll get it. Uh, you know, content yeah. will take. I'm interested way. to see what they do with it. Yeah, I've been saying, give me Star Wars, Elder Scrolls, something like that. <laughs> that would be yeah. insane. for so long. That would be insane. And I really I've been hope it's like about this. Fallout. So yeah, if it's yeah. yeah, anything between those, it can't Just be bad. Full control RPG. That's yeah. gonna be. Right. That's gonna be awesome. I'm excited to see what what era they put it in because I, I don't know if they're gonna somehow relate it to the Skywalker saga or if it's just gonna be completely on its own. I was right. saying that I kind of want it to be post Skywalker saga because we haven't really seen anything yeah. from that era yet. So I think that would be cool as like a little. I don't know if it would be an introduction necessarily, but as like a clue into where the galaxy goes from the rise <laughs> yeah, of Skywalker, like a, like a weird Definitely. epilogue that yeah. doesn't tie to anything. Yeah, it's just like yeah, okay, be, it's set cool. in this era, and that's all you need yeah, to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. All right, guys. Let's uh let's talk about why we're here. Um Attack of the Groans, um the movie about uh how the Jedi formed an army of men who just groan all the time. It's Tamara Morrison who just groans the whole time. <laughs> um <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Never heard that before. No, you know, it's it's an original, it's a classic, it's a good time. <laughs> Um, this movie's got a lot of, uh, I guess, love, hate, I think over, over time, especially with Clone Wars coming out and being the cultural impact that that was, uh, I think it made a lot of people really look back at the prequel movies, specifically this and this, uh, really specifically Revenge of the Sith. But, um, wow, I think, you know, general notes for me coming off this movie is you watch it. And it's so funny how different everybody is by the end of the war, even though it's like a five year span. Yeah. You know how different everybody changes. So yeah, that's my little piece. I'm going to just go through these questions and just, we'll talk about it just to discuss it. And I've got breaking points down and all that fun stuff. So, um, overall thoughts, Alan, what do you, what do you think of attack of the clones? I know you said this is kind of how you started, yeah. but you know, so like I from said, then to now, what is your view? So it's got, like I said, it's got a lot of nostalgia in it. So I know a lot of people hate this movie, but I love it. Uh, I think it, it does a really good job of bridging, uh, the first movie to the third movie because 
obviously it's a huge difference going from a different Anakin, you know, to a new actor. Uh, you kind of see a lot of people are saying that, I don't know about a lot of people, but I think that you could argue that this movie's not really needed because that's beside the point. I think it's really important to see his, uh, his connection with his mom kind of evolve into his connection with Padme. Uh, I think that's huge. You kind of see how he's starting to defy from Obi-Wan. Uh, um, that's pretty much it. Brady, what about you? Yeah, I've always been kind of so-so on this movie. Um, and I've actually grown to like it a lot, especially in the past couple of years. But it's always been the movie that I've always just been kind of the most bored watching. Because there's like two big action set pieces. And the rest of it is kind of like cluing you in on the story and like how the Clone Wars are starting and how, you know, Master Sifo-Dyas or whoever this guy was went to Kamino and started this clone army. So it's kind of like... It was very convoluted, especially so young. It's so convoluted to watch when you're so young. Um, there's a lot of stuff in it that's just like, it's hard Definitely to comprehend. agree with that, yeah. It's hard to comprehend when you're like six years old watching this movie and you're like, wait, what? And then they're like, oh, they're on the orange planet fighting. Yeah. Great. This, it's this like, is fun. <laughs> oh, Obi-Wan's sitting on a spoon with this weird long neck dude. It's like so weird. Um, but yeah, I've th- this is a little bit lower in my kind of definitive star Wars ranking. I, I use that term loosely, but I think that this is a movie that you watch. If you just want some good prequel nostalgia and you want some awesome star Wars lightsaber action with a bunch of Jedi, I think this is the one you watch if you want that kind of stuff. I agree. Alan, where, where does this movie sit for your, of your ranking? Uh, so I wrote it out because I was prepared for this question. Uh, it's, it's bottom four for me. So, uh, you know, obviously first is Revenge of the Sith and uh, last is The Last Jedi, right? And now you're gonna, I know you're going to hate me for that. But uh, <laughs> uh, not far behind that is Attack of the Clones. It's, it's pretty low on the rankings, but it's only as high as it is because of nostalgia. So it kind of beats out yeah, the, the sequels. It's got some heart to it. Tune us next week to uh, Alan and Braden fist fighting for the right of last <laughs> yeah. Jedi. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a lightsaber duel to see who. Um, it's gonna yeah. be like a mud fight with the uh, <laughs> Star Wars list. weapons. Uh, as soon as That's I wrote okay. it, I was like, man. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you have to have the same opinion as me. How dare you? Like, That's you cool. You have to like the thing I like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, what you said you know you you your brother showed you these and kind of introduced you to the world of star wars did he introduce you with this one specifically what is your do you know a first experience and like a story or something that you know of your first time watching this movie uh, i couldn't tell you specifically the first time watching this movie but i know i've heard you guys talk about it we had all the lightsabers you know from the, the mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. flick ones real cheap we had a bunch of those and i used to get those my, things hurt they hurt i was about to say i used to get my butt <laughs> kicked in the backyard with those uh, I don't know. It was that we we had the um, what was that game called? Star Wars Battlefront. We had the first one. That was oh, yeah. from what I remember. I had a lot of prequel stuff in it. A lot of like Naboo, uh, you know, all of it. Camino. So <laughs> I always had a real like tight connection with that stuff because that was what me and my brother kind of bonded over as kids. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Braden, what's your first experience with Attack of the Grounds? Attack of the Grounds. Thank you, Jackson. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. Uh, it, it kind of ties into I don't really know what my first experience even was with Star Wars in general, um, but I think my first experience with th- with this was probably seeing the DVD 
on the shelf at my house because the, I have the inf- oh I thought you meant the blockbuster shelf <laughs> no, no no not the infamous blockbuster shelf because I got actually got into the prequels before I even knew the original trilogy existed right. like I said before but I think seeing the the Anakin because okay so this is kind of weird because I was I had no clue what Star Wars was or any of that kind of thing but I thought that Obi Wan with the long hair and the beard was actually Qui Gon Jinn but they just recast him. I didn't recognize you and McGregor. And Jesus, I was like, man. Oh, who's that guy? Is that supposed to be like <laughs> Obi-Wan or something? Whenever I saw Hayden Christensen as Anakin. And then probably a couple of years later, I watched the movie and I had this revelation of like, oh, these are just the same Been, people, but older. You lied to yourself this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I was very, this was probably like 2003, Braden. Um, That's funny. But then, yeah, I think, you know, it made a big impression on me, especially with all like the Lego sets that came out from this movie. I think like this movie is what I think of when I think of Star Wars Lego sets. Like I think I had like a bunch of the speeders, um, especially mm-hmm. the one that's in Coruscant, like that yellow one. Um, I had that and like the green one from like the changeling girl. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the chasing. Yeah. Yeah. And I also had some toys from this movie too. So yeah, I think, yeah, my first experience especially with the prequels are so odd because I don't really remember. So I have to kind of like my earliest memory with this movie is probably looking at the DVD. Yeah, that's fair. I I know. I remember my parents sat me down to watch the prequels before we went to go see revenge of the Sith in theaters. And that's like probably the furthest I can think back to knowing what attack of the clones was, but I just have no idea when that was, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I always this thought is that one. Attack of the Clones was the coolest Star Wars title for the longest time. Uh, I still think it's kind of a, a really cool one. Yeah. <laughs> Although Such I do fun. love, I do love the Rise of Skywalker title. It's so cool. Anyway, moving on. Um. Yeah. So, uh, we're just gonna go through my little bullet list that we have and just talk about each kind of important part of the movie. I have it split midway to where we'll kind of talk about Obi-Wan's investigation and then we're going to flip it to Anakin and Padme on Naboo since like the second half of that movie is that split the whole time. So instead of just jumping back and forth, we're going to talk about one and then talk about the other and then do Genosis to the end. So um, this movie starts off kind of showing and kind of shoving at us the pre-war tensions that the Republic faced. Alan, what, what were your kind of initial thoughts and reactions to a and like the title scroll were introduced, you know, to the separatist alliance, which has now formed in these 10 years, you know, what are your thoughts on just kind of how things have changed from Phantom Menace to essentially become this pre-war, you know, bull fight that they have. So for me, even just recently, I've started to understand the politics of it a lot more. Yeah. When rewatching the, the prequels as a kid, I was just there for the, uh, the lightsaber battles, the cool stuff, you know, yeah. But like I was watching it today and I was like, dang, that's like real political. Like you could learn something from this. Yeah. And it, you kind of see it at the end of Phantom Menace and it really picks up at the beginning of this movie. Probably like the first half of this movie is super political. So uh, to be honest, it, it kind of confuses me just how there's so many different entities trying to like come together against the Republic, I guess. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah, no, I got that. Yeah, you kind of see it when uh, Just... I'm kind of skipping ahead, but when uh, Dooku's sitting down with all those guys on uh, Geonosis, there's so many different guys, and they're all kind of playing their part in uh, all the different worlds joining. Right. Yeah, the these different clans, like the banking yeah. clan, and like what yeah. banking the, the, the clan? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, 
Braden, what about you? Um, yeah, I think that this is the first time watching this movie, especially this year, was the first time I actually understood the crawl like in general about how like there's <laughs> yeah, like these like there's these planets pulling out of the republic and like they don't want them to pull out of the republic and that's kind of how the clone war started was like this this conflict between the republic and the separatists um so yeah, that's kind of you know star wars politics has always been especially in the prequels star wars politics has always kind of gone over my head cuz like alan said i've always been more, more focused on the lightsaber duels and the action um, well, it's it's super like it's very convoluted politics too. You know, it's it's, it's, it's politics a lot, it's, that only people George Lucas, uh, only people yeah, like George Lucas would understand. Yeah, and it's so much at once, and then it just all of a sudden it breaks into war, and you're just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's like <laughs> oh, we're fighting. Is that a right. lightsaber? Cool. That's funny. So you know, with this movie too, moving on, uh, we are we are introduced and finally meet our our official Anakin Skywalker, um, Hayden Christensen. You know, introduced in this movie, and really, I think he makes. I honestly think he does a little better in this movie than he does in Revenge of the Sith. Not even performance wise, just like Anakin wise. I just think Anakin's like Anakin in this one a little little more, just because of how young he is. Um, Alan, I'll start with you because I you talked about how you already you kind of said your piece on this, so you may just repeat yourself on it. But um, what are what are your attack of the clones, Hayden Christensen's thoughts? You know, how do you kind of see and perceive Anakin from this, and what did you think of his performance in this movie? So yeah, kind of like I said, he's super emotional. Uh, I think we can relate to that, especially at that age, because he's basically a teenager at that point, right? He's being told what to do. He's being exposed for all of his. Uh, wrongs and uh he doesn't want to listen to obi-wan i'm sure we can relate to that at some point in our lives uh so i think yeah definitely he's very emotional he's very connected to his mom uh and like i said it kind of directly transfers over to padme as soon as his mom dies in the movie no spoilers but uh i think that's it's a Dude. Dude, it's only been out for Dude, like on, almost 20 years it's been out for 20 years are you kidding me well hopefully all the listeners have seen the movie if they're listening to this <laughs> someone sitting there dang it <laughs> i was hoping for a spoiler free review from yeah, the definitely. star wars podcast that's funny Braden. What, what do you think of hayden in this movie what i you think, think of hayden this I, hayden in general i love hayden um even just as a person not even as an actor i just think he's a, he's a really cool guy um and I've always thought that people take his performance the wrong way because I think that his performance and, you know, what he does with it is a product of George Lucas's directing as well, because George really isn't much of an actor's director. And we kind of, you know, get that sense watching these movies. Um, and he's also given this dialogue that George has been experimenting with about how like the prequels are like this old you know, Shakespearean style dialogue mm. that like, you know, you expect the dialogue to, you know, progress and change as the decades go on. But I think that performance wise, Hayden does a really good job at selling, s- selling the relationship between him and Obi-Wan first off, because they kind of have this banter that I really love, especially in the beginning when we first see him in the elevator. <laughs> like the, that one time we, I, you saved me in that pit of gun darks or whatever he says. Um, and then like how, how desperate he is 
with Padme and like how he is so willing to open his heart to Padme all the time. And you know, it, it kind of comes off as creepy and I can see, I can see a lot of the weird, um, I haven't seen her in 10 years. I'll be watching. Yeah, like, and, and you know, that, that scene where she's like packing up so they can go off to Naboo and he kind of like stares at her when she Stare, walks away. Yeah. So it's kind of weird, but yeah, I think that, you know, and again, I think the delivery of the dialogue wasn't given much, if any, direction at all either. So, but overall, I think he's a solid, you know, a solid Anakin that we can see why he became what he did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I definitely agree. And I think Hayden does a really good job at kind of showing that. Um, unleashed and uh, not fully controlled uh, power that he receives. And it, it's more emotional power in this one, just solely off of how I say angsty he is, how just fiery he is and how, you know, he's heated up most of the movie. He's just angry at kind of everybody. And it isn't, it really, it's only Padme and Palpatine are the only people who kind of keep him at bay, which just aren't the people he needs in this movie. Um I think, you know, kind of moving on with this, too, we'll stay on the same subject with it. I'll just ask my new question. Uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship is a little different than what I think we would have anticipated slash what it turned out to be, too. Um, They kind of butt heads most of this movie. Anakin keeps trying to jump the gun, trying to do stuff and, you know, prove himself that he can do it. And obi-wan's really trying to kind of hold him back and it's even in the line or in the uh you know the sand the sand people scene when he's yelling at padme about it you know the men and the women he's like you know it's all obi-wan's fault it's yeah. all obi-wan's fault that this happened like he did obi-wan's not even related to it and he's just like it's all obi-wan's fault um alan what do you what do you think about just kind of seeing those two who at this point all we know of Anakin and Obi-Wan was that, yeah, they were Jedi and a or master and apprentice. And, um, you know, Obi-Wan and a new hope is like a good friend, you know, at least that, you know, that they were close to each other. What are your thoughts and just seeing this being the opposite of kind of what we're told? Well, uh, on your point of being good friends, I think you really see that evolve in the next movie. But, uh, I think that this really, this movie really exposes that. I mean, Obi-Wan, had, he, he basically became knighted after he killed Maul. Right. So, I don't. You could argue that he wasn't really ready to be a master yet. I would say, uh, and that kind of shows yeah. because yeah. he's. I don't know exactly the amount of years, but he's really. It, he's not that much older than Anakin, and it, you know, he uh, he had just just gotten done being a Padawan, and he's already expected to train this kid who's already too old to be a Jedi. You know, he's supposed to be. He's going to be hard to train. So, uh, you know, it was bad from the start. Yeah. Yeah, and Obi-Wan's just trying to, you know, he's just trying to help him. He's doing his best with it, and Anakin's just very clouded with anger and fear and hatred. Brayden, what about you? What What are your thoughts on the Anakin and Obi-Wan dynamic in this movie specifically? I think that, you know, we, from, from, like like I said, right off the bat, we do see their relationship. And, you know, we, we hear about these past stories of adventures they've kind of been through. Um, and like Alan said, Anakin is so quick to just or was it you or Alan whoever said Anakin is so quick to just write all of his failures off onto oh it was Obi-Wan's fault he didn't train me enough he doesn't understand he's too cruel and I think Padme has this great line 
um, in that scene where they're kind of about to go off to Naboo and he's complaining about Obi-Wan and she says, our mentors have a very, have a way of seeing more of our faults than we would like. And it's the only way we grow. I think that's so perfect to Anakin's situation because Anakin does not like having his failures pointed out to him consistently because he, he, he just sees that as, Oh, I must be a terrible Jedi if I'm if all these things yeah. are wrong with me. Um, I didn't get it right. Oh, I'm the worst. Yeah, I'm, I must suck. Um, and I think that you know, Obi Wan has this thing of, oh my God, Qui Gon trusted me with this kid, and he's under so much pressure of Qui Gon's legacy and what Qui Gon wanted him to do. And Anakin is under this pressure of. You know, I'm the chosen the, one. The chosen one, and you know, his master expects so much of him, expects him to be this perfect Jedi because you know it's kind of a a, a snowball effect of all this stuff coming up. So, yeah, I think the, the relationship between Anakin and Obi Wan is sold sold super well in this film, and their banter throughout this film is so great. And we also get that throughout the Clone Wars too. And I think the Clone Wars does a really good job of building that relationship between Anakin and Obi Wan as well. Groovy. Um, <clears throat> moving on, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Padme's assassination plot. And I just kind of mean like the whole thing. We'll we'll kind of talk about the bombing in the beginning to I guess we can talk about the entire chase scene with Zam Wessel, the whole Zam. I call her Zam Weasel, but I know that's not right. <laughs> um, you know, Zam and uh, just yeah. I, I want to talk about kind of just <laughs> the logistics of Padme's. Uh, everyone's trying to kill Padme. Yeah. Um, Alan, what, what, what are your thoughts about on just kind of how this, uh, this, uh, this plan to kill Pad Padme really kind of ends up into this big expansive thing. It shows of how important Padme's role into the war with it. Um, yeah, it's kind of the driving plot of the film too. Yeah. Like it's, it's Padme's, you know, kind of, uh, taking a big, a big step with this. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on just kind of Padme's growth of becoming former queen to a Senator to, you know, people trying to assassinate and kill her. I gotta say throughout the whole film, she doesn't seem bothered by it at all that people are trying to kill her. You know, she just seems like too chill yeah. with it. And I'm like, you know, death is right you know, off the bat. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, I'll be fine. I don't need them in my room. I'm like, I don't know. Clearly you did. You know, luckily, luckily they, uh, they saved the day. Um, but yeah, I think it, you can kind of see throughout that they kind of are trying more and more drastically to kill her. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's kind of funny that they ended up on Geonosis. Like, you know, the people that were trying to kill her, she ended up right in their hands. Uh, yeah. Just like, <laughs> like well, that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, she still gets her uh, way out of it at the end. So, um, moving on with kind of the, uh, actual chase itself, Brayden, I'll ask you a different question. What, what was your reactions to, uh, our two protagonist Jedis and their methods of catching an assassin, i.e. Obi-Wan instantly <laughs> jumping out of the yeah, window and Anakin later just like bailing out of the car. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be so epic, but I'm like, Oh, that's so he irresponsible. It, I burst out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, there goes Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I love how Obi-Wan's so quick to go chase after the thing. And Anakin's just like, oh, I got to find a speeder. Let's just find a speeder well, real quick. I, and then he goes I think and gets it's the speeder. Funny too, and, uh, 
I think it's funny how Obi-Wan kind of, you know, dunks on Anakin for having very reckless moves. But I'm yeah. like, dude, did you just see what you just <laughs> did? Did you just, <laughs> like, did you just yeah. jump out a window onto a droid? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think that that chase is kind of, for me, what kind of encapsulates the tone of this movie of like, it, it doesn't feel very Star Wars. Coruscant does not feel very Star Wars from the face value. But the more you see like this nightlife and all these ships, like, cause we only see from a distance um, until this movie and you see all these different ships kind of going across like a freeway and there's a chase happening in the middle of it. I think it's just so cool to see, you know, we get to, sh- we, we we're showcased to all these different characters and these different locations around Coruscant and those like weird power cells that electrocute them when they go through them. It's just, I think this was kind of Lucas's way to give us a cool little tour of Coruscant that we haven't really seen before. Um, and to see like a modern style, a modern style in this world that's been, I say, uh, old to them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also think that the, one, the music is great in this sequence. Um, yeah. And also, the sound design is so good in this whole sequence. And the weird, like, whistling sound that the, mm-hmm. that the, that the other ship has. And I used to have the the toy itself of the, the speeder that Anakin and Obi-Wan were in, that yellow, oh, the one. yellow one. I used to have That's the toy. Cool. Um, but yeah, I, I think this sequence is great. And it always it's a good attention getter if you're not, you know, on board with yeah. this movie quite yet at this point. Alan, what are your thoughts on just kind of seeing Coruscant up close and especially seeing the the two Jedi in action and and just free fall and mainly that's their main yeah. that's their main like attack move is free fall. I think it's funny like what Braden said, uh uh Obi Wan Kenobi, he's so uh he's so annoyed by Anakin's uh things, but he jumped out a window, you know. Uh I thought it was what I was I was watching it today, yesterday and today, and I was like I was thinking Zam Wessel, she sniped out the little I guess the drone thing which, when I was coming back to her. I'm like, if she was that accurate, why didn't she just shoot homeboy? You know, that, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I was like, you know how that would have that probably would have helped her out a lot. You know, she probably would have lived. So uh, that really stuck with me. Uh, I thought it was real cool or real pretty funny whenever they got to the the nightclub scene. Uh, how uh, Obi-Wan kind of just goes off, he gets a drink, the whole death sticks thing. I'm sure, sure we're going to get into that. <laughs> he goes, you go find her. Yeah. Where are you going? To, <laughs> to get, get a, a drink? drink? Yeah. <laughs> and I also love, in the, like, how that Coruscant, like, kind of nightclub thing, it very, very much echoes the cantina scene in A New Hope. Yeah. Like, in almost every way possible. Well, I, yeah, especially in, like... Uh, Obi-Wan just igniting a lightsaber in a bar. Yeah. It must be his move, you know, <laughs> get Zam and everyone just kind of stops and then goes, oh, okay, cool, and just goes back to their business. I wonder business. if that's what Kenobi does whenever he's in his exile on Tatooine. He just goes to the cantina and, and like, <laughs> he just becomes ignites his lightsaber. lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Because I'm sure his excuse is, yeah, I killed a Jedi and took it from him. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm crazy. Oh, that's crazy Ben Kenobi stealing lightsabers from that people. That old wizard, yeah. <laughs> um so once they catch Zam Wessel, uh you know, as Sam Zam's about to spill the beans on Django Fett, Django shoots her with a, a poison dart and it it starts Obi-Wan on his uh I call it his I think Obi-Wan's kind of side story in this is like a detective story. He's I think it's awesome. Down, yeah. Who's trying to kill Padme, he's trying to track it down and eventually leads him into this into the hands of the, you know, 
opposite military power. Um, Alan, what are your kind of thoughts on just Obi-Wan's Obi-Wan? We'll talk general notes of just kind of Obi-Wan's story in this, where where he goes, what takes him and just kind of the encounters he sees in this. So I think like you said, it's like a detective movie. That was that was spot on because he he really does. He takes a clue. He goes to one guy. You guys are going to bring him up. Uh, (laughs) And that that takes him to the next to the uh, the uh, archives. And then eventually he finally gets to Camino and it, it just evolves from there. Yeah, it just it it goes nuts. Once he gets to Camino, it just takes off. Right. But like that first little prior part with uh, some awesome friends that we meet along the way. <laughs> Who's gonna be the uh, first one to say it? <laughs> I, I want Braden to say it. It's his it's his boy. All right. Braden, what are your thoughts on the Obi Wan investigation? I think Dex is the most interesting character in this movie. <laughs> and let me explain. Let me explain. So it, it, the first person that Obi-Wan thinks about when he sees this little dart and he doesn't know what it is, he's like, oh, well, Dex probably knows what it is. Yeah, you know right. what? <laughs> that means Dex has an awesome past where he knows a bunch of crap. And we don't know why he knows a bunch of stuff. He just knows. And I think that's awesome that the first person he goes to is this greasy little diner owner, you know, in the, the, the pits of Coruscant. To like start a, a mini series late night talks with Dexter Jexter at the diner. Oh my god! <laughs> late night you coffee drinks think, with Dexter. I think that would be a great a great podcast for Dex to start. Would be um, late nights with Dexter Jetster, and he just sits down and has coffee and talks about everything he knows about the galaxy. War stories with the diner cook on Coruscant. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But yeah, um, I think that the fact that basically. <laughs> Dexter is the reason why we get Django Fett in this movie. It's so cool to me. It's awesome. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, talking with Jexter, Jexter leads him. Jexter tells him about Camino, And um, I like uh, being introduced to Camino as kind of this mysterious place all around. And then seeing when you finally meet it, it's not necessarily what you expected. Um this movie gives us some cool new planets too. Alan, what are your what are your just kind of general thoughts on Camino and the Kaminoans and just how they kind of function and what the world looked like and you know perceived to you? So the first thing I was watching it today, the first thing that came to mind, and this might sound dumb, but it was kind of like it reminded me a little bit of Bespin, but kind of like in rain instead of in the clouds. Is that crazy? <laughs> because it kind of no, the I get that. Oh, that's, that's on point. Yeah, I never realized it before, but today I was like, dang, that's that kind of reminiscent. But uh, I think that the are they just called Kaminoans, the, the white guys with the long yeah, necks? Yeah. Okay, they yep. freak me out. They always did since I was a kid. Uh, just their their speech patterns, the way they talk. Yeah, it's it's how they talk. It's, it's very yeah. like alien trying to be human. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's definitely weird. And just the fact that they're like so out of the loop on everything, they don't even know who the Sifidius guy is that put in the order. Uh, it's something else that I realized today was how Django Fett is kind of playing both sides. If you look at it from a certain point of view, because he's just, he's just doing who's ever got the money, yeah. dude. He's and just that's there. Crazy to me. But I think he's it's, just it's a, pretty cool. He's that, just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe. There you go. Yeah. Right. Uh, I just think it's cool that, that you kind of get your intro- introduction to uh, Boba Fett too. And, yeah, I just think it was it was real cool whenever uh, Obi Wan goes into Django's quarters because you kind of see his uh, armor in the background, and I think you're kind of sitting there wondering the whole time if Obi Wan sees it, which I, I would say he did. It's pretty Absolutely. obvious, yeah. but he's at that point oh, he's yeah. just interrogating him. And then uh, whenever they kind of got in the little video chat with uh, Yoda and 
uh, Mace Windu. He was like, yo, just bring him back. And I was like, mm, <laughs> I don't see that happen. <laughs> if only he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Braden, what are your what's your thought on thoughts on Camino and just kind of Kaminoans and So I think on the surface levels on the surface level, Camino is very cool. It's a very you know, I think George is running out of running out of biomes to put <laughs> in the planet. So he's like, all right, yeah, make a right. rain one. Um, We're gonna make a pond planet next. Yeah, I, I was watching this today and I thought that a lot of the production design and then just, just the design of the planet is very Star Trek. Really? And everything is very, you know, everything is very round and spherical and like the platinum, even like the, all the white, it's just so, I, I, it screamed Star Trek to me, like the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Um, but yeah, I, I love the, you know, the introduction to, to Boba Fett. Boba, is your father here? <laughs> yeah. Freaks me out. Yeah, a little, Boba, a little Boba creeps you out. No, the, the way they talk, I'm just freaks me out. <laughs> yeah, I it's was almost to think you weren't going to visit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like they know that he doesn't understand. Yeah. They're just screwing with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one, th- I kind of wanted to jump back just a little bit because we kind of skipped the whole when Obi Wan goes to the temple to ask Yoda about the about the planet that's missing from the system. Yoda kind of roasts him in front of all these kids. <laughs> Yeah, he's basically like, dude, these younglings know more than you do. Shut up. But like, I love how Yoda kind of depends on the minds of children to see things that adults wouldn't see. Well, here's the thing, too. How did no one in in how did Obi-Wan nor Yoda be like, it should be here. And and no one was like, I'll go check there first. Like, I'll go see if it's actually there or not. And then the conclusion is just, hey, just go check there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. right. (laughs) The kid's like, it's hidden, and everyone's like, light bulb. Truly wonderful, the mind of a child is. But um, yeah, back back to Camino. I think that the way that Tamara Morrison plays Django Fett is so genius in how he keeps him so mysterious and so like so obviously like he's hiding something he's like all right we gotta go now as soon as Kenobi leaves. The simple man line he has throws me off because it's such a like it like it makes sense as a response, but it's such a jarring response to what Obi. Yeah, Obi- he has like, such a simple question. Be, he's like, "You must be very proud of like doing this." And Django's just like, "I don't really care." He's like, "I'm just here." And he's like, like, "Not by choice, oh, brother." Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, I think this movie kind of introduces Django in a in a weird kind of way because it gives us all of the like Boba content that we wanted with his dad. Um, you know, we talked about Django's first scene a lot, so uh, I'll ask the second scene, kind of wrapping up the Obi-Wan little section before we get to Genosis. Uh, let's talk about the seismic charge scene and just kind of uh, Django Fett and Boba's uh, kind of interaction in this and how um, it's, I think their dialogue in this, all even though it's mainly Boba yelling just to get Obi-Wan, um, I think their dialogue in this is kind of interesting to see how they work. It makes me think if they go on jobs together. Alan, what are your thoughts on just kind of Django and especially how ruthless he kind of can be in this movie? I thought it was crazy today watching again how many different weapons they have on that ship uh, and how they can maneuver that through through an asteroid field like they were doing. Uh, I thought it was crazy. Um, it's kind of crazy how uh, 
I don't know how to say it. Basically how violent Boba is at such a young age. His dad's pretty much, yeah, right. I mean, he's pretty much, you know, he's a clone, but it's, it's pretty awesome how he's, uh, you can see from a young age that he's going to be a bounty hunter. Like he's, well, he's it's built like for that. Boba, Boba knows exactly who Django is too. And Django isn't afraid to hide that from Boba. And I think that's what helped kind of make Boba also ruthless. Yeah, he's ruthless Boba always start. knows. Boba always knows. <laughs> Brayden, what are your thoughts on uh, seismic charges and uh, Boba and Django's kind of uh, interactions together? I've always thought that the sound design and the sound effect for the seismic charge is probably my top three favorite Star Wars sounds of all time. The greatest euphoric feeling you'll ever oh, encounter it, in it your hits, life. It literally hits you in your chest whenever you watch it. It's 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 so awesome and big. Yeah. Um, but as for like kind of the relationship between Boba and Django. I just think that Boba is that kid that you go to school with that just seriously <laughs> thinks he's better than everybody else and he's like that kid with a really abusive father. That, My dad's Django Fett and everyone's like I don't care Boba. <laughs> yeah, and like he just thinks he's the best at everything and you hate him. He's just a little shit. I I that, that's what I think Boba is to me in this movie. Um and like whenever he's around his father, he's like, "Oh, hello, father." And you yeah. know, he's a, he's an, a perfect little angel, Calm and proper. Yeah, yeah. I think that That's kind so of and we see that in Clone Wars that you know he actually is a little shit. So, um, yeah, I I definitely prefer adult Boba. For sure, mid mid forties Boba mid-40s is my favorite. Boba. Um, so turning this coin now, we're going to talk about the other. I say subplot of this movie. They're both kind of important to each other, but we're going like to talk parallel about parallel plots. Yeah. Yeah. They were going to talk about the different vibe, the, the definite love story of this movie. Um, uh, we'll initially go off. Alan, what are your just kind of general thoughts about Anakin and Padme's, um, <clears throat> uh, their kind of journey they take on this from, I mean, Anakin was 100% even before he walked into the room, but Padme especially kind of denying herself of the feelings before being accepted to them. Um, what are your thoughts on just kind of Anakin and Padme's love and just how they formed through this movie? Uh, well, his pickup lines suck. I'll be the first to tell you that. Uh, Anakin's got no game, man. <laughs> Dude, but, hold on. Everything's soft and smooth like you? That's that's a banger. That's <laughs> Uh, no, I thought it was, but I, I would say that his terrible pickup lines kind of show that he hasn't talked to a girl. He's only been thinking about this girl for the last 10 years. So, you know, he hasn't really had an opportunity to practice or, uh, he doesn't have Google to just look up what he should say. So, uh, it's kind of funny to me that, uh, Padme even was into any of those pickup lines, but, uh, you know, I guess it worked out for him. It's kind of crazy to me also how, how quickly I guess things changed, you know? Because at the beginning, she was like, you know, we can't do this. And by the end, which it doesn't <laughs> seem like it was that long. It makes me uncomfortable. And Anakin's like, like sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, he's definitely. more like, never he's mind. Like, I bet hey. you like it. <laughs> he's got yeah. like the hair. <laughs> Give her those creepy looks we're, the whole movie. Rolling a Play-Doh snake. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Braden, what are your thoughts on just Anakin and Padme? I think that a lot of people immediately turn to their relationship, especially in this movie and want to trash the performances. And I think the reason that is, is a lot of the times it, it's not sold very well, but I see what, what George is going for about 
how uncomfortable a lot of these moments are supposed to be and how nervous Anakin is to talk to Padme and how Padme is how, how nervous Padme is to talk to Anakin all the time. And, you know, they have a really interesting dynamic to where they can bounce off of each other and have that charisma with, with each other and have that chemistry. And then the next scene, it's like they never met each other before. The second they have to talk about anything serious, they both freeze up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always thought that their relationship is it's it I don't have any issues with it. I mean they're just two awkward, you know, young people that don't know cuz Anakin has been dreaming about Padme his entire life. Like that's the yeah. only woman he wants. And Padme's just kind of been off doing her own thing and living her own adult life, being well, being a in senator. Like her mid twenties, she's a senator. She's yeah. trying to get people keep trying to kill her, and Anakin's this like dumb nineteen year old Jedi Padawan. He's frolicking in the in the boo field, very naive. His yeah. Love. yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, it, you know, and that's that's great you say that because kind of speaking to into naive, I think from. <clears throat> kind of this point of the movie on this is the you know how Anakin in this is very like you said he's very naive he kind of needs that push for him to realize when it's time to be an adult and what exactly that means and I think from this point of the movie from Anakin's vision of Shmi all the way to literally the end of this movie is kind of Anakin being like okay like there are things more important than me just being dumb and in love especially in the scene with Obi-Wan and Anakin when Padme falls out yeah. and Anakin's like what would Padme do and he's like ah, she would do her duty she would do her duty yeah so I have this on here as just a very general note, but we will talk about essentially Anakin and Padme's trip to Tatooine and going back to Tatooine. Alan, what are your thoughts on Anakin investigating his mother's death to eventually investigating his mother's disappearance to eventually his mother's death and that ex- that trauma and, and experience he gets from that? Uh, so something that really stuck out to me when I was watching was how he first he goes and sees uh Watto and Watto's like, uh, we should go inside. He Daddy. refers him to Lars. Uh yeah. Lars says the same thing. He's like, We should go inside. They go inside and then I'm like, You've gotta know from the start this is bad news. Like it's it's yeah. only gonna get worse. You know, and uh I don't know, I feel like he got something out of the fact that she wasn't a slave the rest of her life, but uh his mom, obviously. But uh I feel like that had to be you know, obviously that was real hard for him. He kinda saw it coming, so uh, it, well, it was a good build up to the next movie, which we won't get into because you know you guys got that next week. But <laughs> uh, Braden, what are your thoughts on just <clears throat> Anakin's uh, dealing with just kind of this this moment for Anakin and how it really affected his attachments that he is building in this movie as well? Yeah, I would agree with Alan that kind of. Anakin's mother's death I would kind of argue that that moment for him is the moment that he doesn't care anymore and almost is okay with you know defecting from the ways of the Jedi because of how attached he was to his mother and you know I think there is some solace for him in knowing that his mother did not die a slave and she was freed and had a little bit of a happy, normal life for a section of, of the time they had apart. Um, yeah, I think it's just so tragic having Anakin be, you know, 
essentially the 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 one to the, the last one to be with his mother as she dies and her dying in his arms it's just it's super powerful and i think that you know the, we sense the rage in anakin immediately as she as his mother dies and the music at that you know, point is awesome too yeah as, as soon as she dies we start hearing little menacing. notes from the imperial march and we're like oh man this isn't good and especially when he's going through the desert and we hear we're here in that duel of the fates and we're just like oh something's going down man something's going down man so yeah I, i've always thought that the whole ta- tatooine sequence is so powerful especially being able to see the lars homestead in the early stages and all that kind of yeah. stuff uh with uh joel edgerton as owen lars that's yeah. one of my I, that's such a weird casting to me i don't know why i know because in in like you know, twenty years he ages forty years. <laughs> well, he he wasn't a huge name too, you know. So yeah. I, when he cast him, he was like, "Oh yeah, that's just some just guy playing Owen." Now it's like, had, "Oh, it's Joel Edgerton." Had a good audition, yeah. Yeah, right. So from here on out, we're going to talk about Genosis, the orange bug planet. Um, I, my initial coming off for Genosis is that planet actually kind of scared me. Absolutely. Um, tunnel, tunnels and caves are not Baby. my thing on top of giant giant bugs that shoot. I don't know. It's like weird like plasma laser that they have on their guns. I love I the, love the sound design. I, I love the sound design of their guns. I yeah. don't know. I just, uh, it's the sound that they, they you know, their language and just the clicking and it's just, yeah, it just, uh, no, I don't, I don't do that. Um, Alan, what are your kind of just base thoughts on the planet of Genosis and just kind of what we see while we're there? So when I was a kid, uh, I thought it was Tatooine just because I saw a desert uh, until I saw all the bugs and they freaked me out. Like you said, the tunnels, all that I d- didn't sit right. With, oh, thought we lost them. My bad. Uh, yeah, no, good. no, Keep the, going. no the, you're good. Keep going. the tunnels and bugs, they didn't sit right with me. The, their weapons were real cool. Uh, I thought it was kind of crazy how they had basically the arena. Uh, everybody's, they're all just flying in. I guess it's like a normal occurrence for them to just have people come in and get killed by these, these crazy monsters. Uh, Braden, what about you? I think that Geonosis had a lot of opportunities to be this cool, unique planet, but then George w- went with the sand planet and I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> more sand. Um, just I, like the simulations. <laughs> yeah. And I think the Geonosians are so cool because they're basically like this, these big bugs that happen to be geniuses and come up, yeah, come just up. are so, just incredibly smart. <laughs> yeah, and they like are able to come up with plans to eventually construct the Death Star that we end up seeing. You know, I don't know if you've ever read Catalyst, the like the pre Rogue One mm-hmm. book. It, it it deals a lot with like Geonosians and like their contribution to say, the making it of the. Into that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's I was a super great curious read. about. It's I was a great curious read. about how. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you really get into like. Krennic and his relationship with Pogba the Lesser and how they kind That's of cool. come up with, you know, what this is this thing is supposed to be. Um, but I digress. Kind of this... The, the concept of Geonosis is cool. But I almost wish that we got something different. Like, not another sand planet. What if, like, what if yeah. we got another... You know, it would have been cool since they're bugs if we got like another like jungle or forest planet or something like that. That would have yeah. been cool to me. But I think that would have if if for that we would not have gotten the Coliseum stuff in that great, you know, all the great 
moments we get in that this like sand deserty coliseum and i think you know color palette wise i think that like the orange and browns really is um encapsulates attack of the clones and that's kind of like the color palette i think of when i think of attack of the clones absolutely i yeah i agree with that and how i think it's funny how attack of the clones tries to kind of come off as this gritty movie and it it's def it's like total atmosphere and vibe doesn't give that but like the sets do and like you the know story, especially on yeah. especially on genosis yeah it's just a very dark and kind of grittier story um before we talk about just kind of the coliseum and how the movie progresses from there let's talk about our new uh our new villain our new bad guy meeting count dooku and um you know the start of the movie he's only kind of he's brought up by name no one really knows who he is and um even then you know when obi-wan's tracing down the dart and whatnot and Django says i was hired by a man tyrannus you know that's that's darth tyrannus it's um it's i think it's cool how not necessarily you know that until the scene you meet dooku with obi-wan um i think that's honestly one of my favorite dialogue scenes in that movie there's a lot in it that i think a lot of people miss just because it's a simple conversation yeah um especially with dooku being you know qui-gon's former master and you know being under he tries to trick obi-wan in it by saying that he's just trying to stop the stop darth sidious from you know ending the republic alan what are your thoughts in meeting count dooku and just kind of who that character was and who he was as a villain too so i thought it was really cool uh whenever you get that first introduction to him when obi-wan's kind of uh i don't i don't know what that trap is called he's basically he's uh imprisoned at that point and he's kind of walking in and that's i think that's when you first realize that like shit this is qui-gon's master so and obi-wan knows that obviously so you're like dang like He's like, oh, I would have turned Qui-Gon, essentially. Well, his first words, too, to him are, are traitor. That's the first words yeah. to him. You know, Dooku walks in, oh, it's traitor, you know. That's a shot. It's um, a direct shot. That's it's yeah. 287 all over again. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was really, really uh, intriguing how, you know, he's he's trying to pretty much take shots at Obi-Wan. He's like, yo, like, Qui-Gon would have joined me in what I'm doing. And uh, Obi-Wan's like, nope, like, no way, bro. Like, that's not that's not what would have happened. And uh, Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. <laughs> exactly. You, you guys got all the quotes. Uh, something that really <laughs> stuck out to me also was I feel like Count Dooku is kind of like, he's kind of like a faux Sith because I feel like he's not fully committed to it because it just it just seems to me like he doesn't really want to kill the Jedi. Uh, at the same time, he, he literally, I mean, you see it at, at the end of the last battle, again, spoilers, uh, he he doesn't want to kill him, and whenever he he chops off Anakin's arm, he kind of like he's like, damn, dude, like you know, he doesn't. I don't even think he realizes that that's what uh, Palpatine's after at that point. But I don't know. It yeah. seems like it really oh, hit him. Yeah, yeah. I would Brady, say what about that, you. Yeah, I I'm think sorry. I agree that Dooku is kind of under the impression that Palpatine thinks that he is the one that Palpatine the loves successor. and like he is like the kind of the Sith chosen one that's kind of really everybody not. that Palpatine brought like, yeah, Palpatine's kind of, <laughs> yeah Palpatine's old. kind of like gaslighting him into thinking that he is <laughs> yeah. this awesome Sith that's gonna end up taking down the Jedi um but I I really think that Dooku to me has always been the Tarkin of the Sith he's he's always been very Everything he does is so calculated and 
he's so proper just in general. I mean, that's just Christopher Lee's performance as well. That regalness he carries. Yeah, and especially being called Count Dooku. Like, you know that George Lucas (laughs) called him Count Dooku because he was Count Dracula back in, like, the 40s or whatever. Um, But yeah, I've, I've always been really intrigued by Dooku and his way of doing things. And even his, his fighting style is super unique. Um, and his, this is the first time we see the curved lightsaber hilt. Mm-hmm. And I've, I always wanted that toy lightsaber. And I, I remember having a friend that had the, the lights, the Dooku toy lightsaber that like made sound effects and stuff. That's um, awesome. It was like from target or something. Well, but I, I always liked how, weirdly sinister yet relatable Dooku has always been. We even see that in the Clone Wars a lot, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always liked Dooku. I always, I, I agree, the kind of just the properness that he carries to himself and Christopher Lee's voice always just He's so, so booming and role. carries that yeah just and you know he had fun with it I love He's that got he the was Saruman who, thing going on yeah right <laughs> yeah right um Duke is a good one let's talk about the Coliseum let's talk about the monster mash Coliseum part before we get into the Jedi mash Coliseum <laughs> Alan what are your Very thoughts nice. on thank you um what are your thoughts on just kind of the 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 let's pit the two Jedi and the Senator to these monsters that we have around and see how it goes. And it just goes horribly wrong. Uh, I got to say that that scene got me hyped up just because there's so much going on at once. And they're all basically just like big F you to, uh, you know, uh, Count Dooku, Django, all the guys up there. New Gunray. Uh, I thought it was hilarious when New, New Gunray is like, somebody somebody shoot her or something. Like, <laughs> she can't do that. <laughs> shoot her or something. Yeah, and they're yeah. just like, no, just let it play out. And they're just, meanwhile, they're down there kicking kicking all those monsters' asses. You know, uh, it was funny. The uh, she, she seems to be on top of things, you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good job, you know. Yeah, that's my favorite. It's a good job is my favorite. Yeah, that's <laughs> so we came it's, to rescue It's a prime you. example of their, uh, their snide remarks back and forth the whole movie. What uh? What monster was your favorite? Uh, the one that's screeching. It's the the green one with the little the little green sword the, arms. the one with Obi Wan. Yeah. yeah. Braden, what about you and the monster mash? Monster Man, mash. I love the monster mash. Um, <laughs> you like the monster mash? Yeah, I love the monster mash. But I have to bring this up, and I'm very sorry because it'll put you in a bad mood. But oh, no. I think that Coleman Trevor is the world's worst Jedi of all time. <laughs> Bro, he's saying that right now. I don't even know why he was. He was so confident that when he man, went up there too. This guy trained his entire life to finally, like you know, fight Sith <laughs> Lords. Himself up. He finally gets this moment to f- face a Sith Lord, and he just gets yeeted by Jango Fed by by a blaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the dude gets shot of he all things. He doesn't even react. He's just like, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Yeet. Um, but yeah, I think that that whole action set piece is so epic, and it's like it's like nothing we had ever seen before in Star Wars, and like that's kind of what everybody you know that had seen the original trilogy and wanted to see the prequels. They all wanted to see the Jedi out their prime, and I think this is a great encapsulation of the Jedi out their prime and actually being like a real. Jedi well, order. Yeah. yeah um, ended real quickly. Yeah. And I think that we also kind of see another development in Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship, how we see them in the heat of battle and we kind of get a sense of their relationship. Cause you know, early in the movie, 
like when we first see them obi-wan is kind of always belittling anakin and always saying like you know referring to him as like my very young padawan and like my young padawan learner apprentice he's like always saying all these very belittling things that anakin doesn't want to hear and like and and obi-wan knows it gets under his skin and at this point obi-wan is kind of treating him like this partner and like this co this co-jedi knight which anakin knows he isn't but I've always thought that this sequence has always been a really cool action set piece, and especially being able to see Mesa Windu in action finally has yeah. always been super cool to see. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next question was what are kind of just thoughts on Mace Windu and, and the Jedi in general in action? Because, you know, the most we've seen is Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan and, you know, Luke and Vader. And that's kind of it. Um, Alan, what are your thoughts, especially I, I guess just what? what Jedi stood out to you in this movie? And even if that is, you know, Mace Windu, he's kind of the main one that is around during then. So Mace Windu, definitely. He, he just looked badass out there. His, his part where he's running straight at Jango Fett, just deflecting the blaster bolts. <laughs> when he just, yeah, he charges Jango. Yeah, that part's <laughs> awesome. Uh, I thought it was funny. The part where, um, Padme is kind of riding the thing with the little carriage behind her and Anakin's out there just baseball batting. He's, he's hitting mailboxes, <laughs> you know, the droids yeah. with his lightsaber. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Um, Coleman Trevor, uh, shout out to him. You know, yeah, he, uh, he embarrassed himself in rest in peace. And, yeah, rest in peace. Uh, my my favorite is uh, the <laughs> when Kit Fisto pushes over uh, Droid C three PO, Battle Droid C three PO. He sm- yeah, he can't get the the bug <laughs> smile. <laughs> they they kind of did Kit Fisto dirty in these they, movies. They did Kit Fisto so dirty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my uh, my also other favorite is um, Plo Koon's only uh, appearance in Attack of the Clones is when uh, Dooku stops the fighting before the clones show up, and it's just it's just Plo Koon just walking behind Anakin. <laughs> He's just like this the whole time. He just like yeah. hovers behind him. Yeah, um, that's so funny. Yeah, I think seeing the Jedi for in action and just like this big battle that just kind of takes place in this very small you know Coliseum yeah. arena. Um, I've just madness. That, I've always thought that the story behind Mace Windu's lightsaber color uh, has always been super funny about yeah. how literally on set Samuel L. Jackson went up to George and was like, <laughs> can, can hey, I have purple? No, he was like, <laughs> so, you know, with this whole sequence, how am I, be, how, how am I going to be able to tell which one is, is me? And, um, George's like, I don't know. And Samuel L. Jackson was like, all right, well just, can you make my lightsaber purple? And George is like, um, yeah, I guess so. And that's yeah. my George, that's my George Lucas impression, by the way. It's like a, that's pretty good. good. Yeah, like Aqua Teen Hunger good. Force. But oh my god, yeah, I've always I've always thought that that story is like, it's such a funny like trivia. Like everybody knows that trivia story about how yeah. the reason Sam the reason Mesa Windu's lightsaber is purple <laughs> is because Samuel L. Jackson wanted a purple lightsaber. That is the story. <laughs> well, and it's so cool too because like everything we've seen of Mace Windu has just been Samuel L. Jackson talking. Also, I told the, I sent this to I sent this to Jordan Dennis. I still talk to him and hang out with him. Um, but uh, I was texting him and um, I don't know why, but in especially in Phantom Menace, but in this too, they for some reason, just like Yoda and Mace Windu are always the two of the council who always kind of have like they're always leading they're it and the whatnot. Decisions. They're like in um, a little click. It's so well, funny. I, that's essentially what I was like. They've just kind of I, I built the idea that, yeah, they like gossip on the side <laughs> and whatnot. So my point of what I was saying is that, you know, Mace Windu has just kind of been this 
this council person. He's only been talking. He's only been kind of giving orders and whatnot. And then he shows up and, you know, he's got this purple lightsaber and he beheaded Django Fed and he's just been just ruthless. And everyone's like, oh, no, <laughs> like, oh, like, Mace Wind is crazy. That's yeah. all, that's well, that's what we learned. Speaking of Django Fett, um, Alan, what what is kind of your reaction to the death of Django Fett and how Boba reacts and like what it kind of does going on with like going forward with the saga. Did he not realize that his jetpack was blown? <laughs> I feel like that's pretty much what killed him. I mean, I th- I'm pretty sure he lost his blaster too, but uh, I don't know. I think Boba having to see that pretty much solidified, like, you know, you see it in Clone Wars. He hates the Jedi at that point. He wants, yeah. he wants revenge. Uh, that's traumatic too. Definitely. Well, yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> You see, watching watching a dude charge your dad, and then his dad's head's over there. And yeah, yeah. You've seen the memes where he picks up the helmet and his head falls out. <laughs> it's so that's one up. of my favorite shots of the uh, of the movie, though, is Boba holding his head. I you always wait for that head to yeah, fall out. Exactly. There's yeah. actually that like a, good a shot, there there's like a video on YouTube of like if if Star Wars was rated R, and one of them <laughs> oh, is Boba no. picking up the of uh, picking up the Jango mm. Fett helmet, and just a severed head comes <laughs> out of it. Yeah. yeah, I always look for it every time it pops off too. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk about kind of the 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 men of the hour. They're barely even in this movie, and we didn't really talk about them in Camino. They don't do much in Camino, but the clones. First time yeah. we really meet the clones and kind of see them in action. Um, let's let's just talk about that whole entire sequence, just from when they show up to the Coliseum to literally when Anakin and Obi Wan get to the lightsaber fight. Um, Alan, what are, what are your thoughts on just in meeting the clones right off the bat and how they just kind of just it's a, just a war breaks uh, out? They had perfect timing. You know, they couldn't have come in. A, maybe a little earlier would have been good, but they came in pretty yeah. good time. Uh, their little yeah. uh, little pod weapons that are on their uh, their ships. Those are awesome where they're just slicing through droids, you know, the green yeah. lasers. I thought those were awesome. Um, you know, they were I like when they're uh, they're shooting down the. The, the fuel cells. Anakin says, shoot above the fuel cells. Oh, and yeah, they shoot yeah. out the missiles. Um, they go all over the place and just hit. I'm like, how, why did I have to do all that? You know, <laughs> do, you, do you get, do you get thrown off by the CG clones still to this day? Dude, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's a problem. In general, never, in general I noticed the CGI so much more today. Like really? going back to Dexter Jetster, I didn't realize how, how CGI that was until today. I guess as a kid, I didn't really look for it. I was just like, Oh cool. It's an alien, you know? But today, I was yeah. like, the whole movie, I was like, dang, dude, like, I can really see it right now. I always think it's funny how in this one, the colors on each clone just are just drastically different to what they mean for the rest of the Clone yeah, Wars. They're just like, oh, this would be a cool color. Like, yellow means captain, I think, and red's like Clone an Wars. officer. And, and that- you know what? Let's just give them all. Let's give, let's give each battalion a color. This is too confusing. <laughs> yeah. For one, I see no excuse as to why they couldn't build a couple of clone trooper uniforms i don't know why they couldn't have done that it would have sold so much better especially in all those scenes you know with cody or with you know even on um on you know geonosis and you have the clones whenever padme rolls down the rolls down the sand dune and like the clones approach her their movement is just so weirdly video game um i always thought that I've always thought no, that, the, that the clones I've always been so so on them only because like you never really see a clone do something really awesome in these movies except it's for how they except for maybe in Revenge of the Sith. 
Yeah, see, Revenge of the Sith, they give him cool scenes. Like it's, all the it, I, it's, it's weird. <laughs> That's a cool <laughs> scene, let me tell you. That is a cool scene. Uh, it's a little weird to me how they speak. It's very kind of like, like, Timur, Timur Morrison's lines are just kind of like forced and it's like they just it sounded like they only did like one take of him doing yeah. it. Just well, like you can, you can tell that like a week before they're supposed to release they're like oh crap we're supposed to get clone lines aren't we and then they yeah. called in Tim to, 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 to do they're his lines really real quick. just kind of mundane and, and Tim know, only had like he only had like 15 <laughs> minutes of free time like, he's like yeah, all right let, let's go let's go do it and then he just <laughs> went and did it that's hysterical um i i think the 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 scene when the dust storm settles in and all the lasers are flying is there, that's one of the best parts too what, i think, right? awesome. I think the, the visuals are cool the visuals are super cool with all the clone stuff i just but think when that, you look into it it's I a just little think that maybe even when there's a shot where there's like maybe two or three clones in it just put some guys in clone armor in legitimate practical clone armor it'll sell yeah. so much better but you know george has always had this mindset with the prequels of trying to push the envelope with technology and cgi and trying to do amazing things with this technology he has available to him and um it, it just reminds you that there's sometimes simpler is better <laughs> yeah work smarter not harder I exactly agree. Uh, you t- this is a quick little anecdote. You talk about that when Padme falls down the little hill when she falls up the ship. She took uh, a good it, role, man. I, it, uh, it's the fact that she's not dirty when she gets up. Like <laughs> she's still pristine in her white outfit, <laughs> which leads me to believe that Genosis has like non-stick sand. Like Absolutely. you can just it doesn't, it doesn't like matter that. how like how much you play around. Yeah, that's right. actually how they market the planet to get people to visit is the non-stick sand. Yeah, that's good. non-stick sand. <laughs> that's right. That's funny. Um, moving on, let's talk about the lightsaber fight with Count Dooku and kind of how each because there's really there's three individual fights. And I think what's really cool is um, this fight uh, really shows off Dooku's uh, duelist abilities. He's a very, very, very good duelist and just kind of his sword play with it. And it's funny, you know, when he gets, when he's talking to Yoda, he's like, it's clear this fight won't be with our power of the force. And I was like, oh yeah. Like, oh yeah, Dooku. Like, do you figure that one for yourself? What are, you um, Alan, your, what are your, your thoughts? Lightning? Yeah, right. Alan, what are your thoughts on just kind of Dooku's saber fighting and especially just this fight in general and just kind of, you can, you know, just each one between Obi-Wan, Anakin, Yoda. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on I think on you made fight? easy work of Obi-Wan and Anakin. That's that's pretty safe to say. I loved, so I got to say, it lasted about 10 seconds. I loved dual-wielding Anakin for the, like, the, the 10 seconds he <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah, I thought that too when he throws that in the lightsaber. So yes, yeah. yes. That, that choreography is really cool. Green, yeah. That just makes it even better that it's two different colors. I loved it for like five seconds, then he... he Chopped the green one, I think. I was like, man, <laughs> that was short-lived, but it was awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you, you can really tell at right before Anakin gets his arm chopped off, you can tell that he's a Padawan because he blocks that hit and he's just standing there, you know, and that he makes it so easy for Count Dooku to make easy work of him. And I think that's this is the number one scene where it shows, like I said before, that uh, Count Dooku didn't want to kill him, you know. He just pushes him over. He's just like, all right, let me get out of here. Like, you know, I don't think he's He teaches him a lesson, yeah, really. Absolutely. Brayden, what are your thoughts on the fight? I definitely think that with with Christopher Lee being as old as he was when he shot this movie, it is so obvious that it's just some 30-year-old dude, 30-year-old stunt guy with a CG CG Christopher Lee face doing all of these lightsaber moves. But I always was surprised at how quickly Obi-Wan 
got out of the fight. Like he just got Absolutely. knocked out so quickly. Yeah, he got um, hit twice, and Tuka was like, "All right, you're done." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you think he was playing with Anakin and, a little bit, letting him last as long as he did? Yeah, I don't know, but I, I think hope. that that kind of it, it kind of says something because even in Revenge of the Sith, we see him take out Obi Wan a little earlier than Anakin. So Anakin has always been the one to you know take on Dooku in full force while Kenobi is just kind of knocked out in the corner. But yeah. And then, you know, when Yoda comes up, I mean, that's just something that you dream about when you're a kid is Yoda just wrecking shop with a lightsaber. Um, and at first, yeah, at first you're, you don't even know if Yoda's going to pull out the lightsaber because you kind of see him just like absorb this force lightning and, you know, throw it away. And I love that line that you talked about, Jackson, about how they start doing all this force stuff to each other, and Dooku just like, it seems as if mm. our, po- our powers are <laughs> too well matched, matched with the force, and now we shall see how we test against each other with a lightsaber. That was that was a paraphrase line. I was gonna but, say it was a little bit, a little bit too much. That, that was a good Dooku voice. <laughs> yeah, but I just think that. They did not need that line. He did not need to say that. He could have just pulled out his lightsaber, then Yoda pulls out his lightsaber, and then they go at it. They I didn't like the line there. Dooku like to that. say that. It's a fun line, but I just don't think it was needed to tell the story. But um, I just think the way that Yoda is so acrobatic in this way of, of fighting and how quick he is with all of his moves because he knows he has to be if he doesn't want to be sliced in mm-hmm. half immediately. Um so I've always thought that Yoda Dooku holds his own too. Yeah, absolutely. And I always thought that Yoda's fighting style has always been super interesting to me because it's not a typical you know, nobody else jumps emotionally like driven Star Wars battle. It's like this weird mixture of like this like acrobats and combat it's so cool it's, it's so, so cool it's so quick it's so different from what yeah. we've seen just as a lightsaber fight um well cool let's let's get on to the last point here let's talk about how just kinds of um at the end of this movie it kind of splits between the republic finalizing that they're going to be going to war and using this clone army and then on the opposite side, we see Anakin and Padme getting married and they, you know, them finally them solidifying that they are going to be taking this um, pretty difficult journey ahead of them. But they've decided to do it together. Alan, what are your thoughts on just kind of the the closing of this movie and how it wraps itself up? I think it's I mean, this is a pretty simple answer. I think it feeds well into the next movie. You know, you're 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 finally seeing that Anakin's got another thing to uh, attach to which is absolutely not what he needs at this point. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of like you said, uh, I think it's it kind of closes out well to uh, Obi-Wan kind of finally realizing what Anakin can do. Because uh, on the, I guess I'm going to call it the, the clone dropship, I think it is, whenever they're flying first chasing Dooku, I, I think that's the first time you actually hear Obi-Wan kind of uh, compliment Anakin. When he's saying shoot the fuel cells, he's like, hey, like, good call, man. Like, that's the first positive thing I've heard in the movie. Uh, so I think that that leads well to the next, obviously the Clone Wars, and then you know you get to see their uh, their uh, relationship develop. Braden, what about you? What are your thoughts on the closing of this movie? Um, I think that this movie has a brilliant ending of you know how kind of how three PO kind of is it three PO that marries Anakin and Padme. No, he's there. He and, That's he right. and R2 yeah. are just to the side. But I just some... think that it's great that their wedding party was 
C3PO in R2D2. I think it's so great. Um, but yeah, with the ending and, you know, I think they kind of, I don't want to say they missed out, but I, but I think that this, the way they left off with the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan and where Anakin is here and how much room of story you have to tell. And I'm, I'm glad they kind of went really deep into it with Clone Wars. Um, but I was just surprised at how far in the future they jumped with Revenge of the Sith. Um, because there's so many adventures to tell. Like I, I could have easily, you know, I, I could have easily enjoyed two more movies after this before we go to the original trilogy. But, um, yeah, I think that the ending of this is really wraps it up and it really kind of pushes you into the unknown of like, okay, Anakin has gone through his adolescence. He's, you know, he's defied the Jedi order by marrying Padme. Um, okay, where do we go from here? And I think that this movie, the ending of this movie raises a really good question at the end of, okay, what now? Because I think that with, with, you know, the Phantom Menace, we end it and we're like, okay, that was it. That was the movie. Good job. But with this, we're like, oh crap, (laughs) you know, Anakin, Anakin's (laughs) doing some stuff that we wouldn't expect. And you kind of have to, you know, you kind of have to, what's the word I'm thinking of? You you kind of have to speculate how the gap will be bridged from Anakin to Vader in just one movie, the next movie, because we still have so much story to tell, but yeah. Well, cool. Well, that was just kind of the general talk. Let's um, move on to our next little bit, which is just quotes. Um, This movie has, um, it's quotes are are a little different because uh, I think it's funny how Phantom Menace, how, in Phantom Menace, it kind of its dialogue tried everything to be a big inspirational quote. Um, yeah, and I, I especially too, I think uh, introduced in meeting a quote unquote Jedi Master uh, Obi Wan. Uh, we get a lot of some pretty classic Obi Wan quips in this. Um, there's some pretty good ones that I could probably talk yeah. about. I I think when it comes to actually like good written lines in this, simple man just making its way into the universe, probably great line. That's such a such a beautifully written, just kind of you know to to meet this character and to see what he has to say. And it's that I don't care. Um, that's so fun. Alan, what are some of your favorite quotes from this movie? So I think this movie has a lot of really funny quotes. Uh, one that I caught early was whenever they're first kind of briefing when they get to Naboo, uh, what their plan is with Padme and Anakin. Uh, He's, he's trying to interject and or they're like, what do you think, Master Jedi? And she's like, oh, he's not a Jedi yet. He's just a Padawan. I was like, man, you had to do my man dirty like that. <laughs> you're just asking him to murder younglings when you say yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. You're just, you're just feeding right into it. Oh, I remember. And Anakin steps in, too. He's like, hey, well, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, uh, she can't do that. Shoot her or something. That's, that's a great one. Um, the one we were classic. talking about just a minute ago about... Uh, Kanduku, like I don't think we can settle this with our force abilities. Like, yeah. like okay, yeah, I think we we pretty much could have figured that one out. But. I think the 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 line is something along the lines of, um, we can't compete with our our knowledge of the force, but yeah. with our skill with a lightsaber or yeah. something like that. It sounded super poetic. Yeah, yeah. Braden, what are some of your favorite quotes? Um, I love the Obi Wan quote. Um, when they're in that right outside that nightclub on um, Coruscant and he's giving Anakin back his lightsaber and he says, this weapon is your life. 
And I think that that line kind of engraves itself into Anakin of like, oh crap. Obi- like whenever he ends up losing his lightsaber again, he's like, Obi Wan's going to kill me. Not again. Yeah. Um, and then there, there's this really, really great quote in that nightclub when they're walking in and they're kind of having some banter back and forth. And he says, oh, why do I get the feeling that you're going to be the death gonna, of me? I was going to talk about I was that. Like, That's, it might be don't, because he's absolutely going to be the death master. of you. He's like, why would you say that master? Don't say that. You're the closest thing I have to a father. Yeah. And, and then you get this, you know, with Anakin and Padme, you get this really cringy <laughs> line that uh, I hate it so much, but I know that the, the intentions with George were good. But the line is, oh, I'd be much too frightened to tease a senator. Shut up. Man, shut uh, up. I hate that I love, line. Uh, I love, uh, you call this a diplomatic solution? No, I call it aggressive persuasions. Aggressive yeah. negotiations. Yeah, what's aggressive negotiations? Well, negotiations <laughs> with a lightsaber. Um, in, that, in that same scene that we're talking, like that weird dinner scene, what, th- this is, I think, the worst line in the movie, and I'm going <clears> to <throat> paraphrase. Not really paraphrase. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it right here. If Master Obi-Wan caught me doing this, he'd be very grumpy. <laughs> Whenever he's, like, slicing the pear, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, the CG, the CG pear. Yeah, the, the spooky pear is going to end uh, Anakin's Jedi career. That's one of my favorite robot chicken gags, yeah, is when yeah. he's force-pushing the pear and Padme knocks it out of the air. <laughs> rejected! <laughs> ooh, rejected! Too funny. So you guys, you guys um, aren't going to name any Dexter Jester quotes? Are we just going to act like that didn't happen? <laughs> Obi-Wan! <laughs> yeah. That's hey, basically. what do you know? Oh, buddy! Hey! <laughs> That's basically all he says. Um, yeah, right. That is really all he says. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's some fun quotes in this one that I think um, I think are more kind of meme-ish rather than uh, effective. And, yeah. I really like um, uh, in the opening, that chase that they have on Coruscant, how... Uh, you know, Obi-Wan's, he's like, I don't hate flying. I just, you know, what you're doing is suicide. And then later yeah, on when he's, following, is... when he's following Jango Fett, he's like, I hate flying. <laughs> gets yeah. chased by the, when he gets shot at. Yeah. I like, I think good job is probably one of my favorites. That, yeah. that interaction's too good for me. Or um, in the, in the chase when it's Anakin and Obi-Wan and the, the, their speeder flyer thing. And Anakin's like, you know, oh, I, I had her, like I had it under control. And Obi-Wan goes, holy in your mind, my very young Padawan. Like, yeah. like, oh More yes, I, I'm sure you did. <laughs> um, Yeah, those are some fun ones to me. Obi-Wan's just sassy little remarks in it. His, his in visible movie. confusion in Kamino is very funny to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've also got the, hey, I want to buy some death sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you don't want to buy me death. You don't want to sell me death sticks. Yeah. And then. A very like probably the most famous line from this movie we didn't talk about. I don't like sand. Irritating. It gets or, uh, everywhere. I killed them. I killed all of them. Oh, I wanted to I wanted to bring up at the end of that, uh when he's, you know, screaming, throwing stuff. Uh that, I think that's the first time you hear the Vader theme. And I was like, man, that kind of gave me goosebumps, you know? Oh yeah, oh, the he Imperial March, yeah. crying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um what Alan? What are some of your favorite characters just from this one? What what characters stand out to you most? Count Dooku. We'll talk about stand up. Count, Count Dooku. Dooku. Really? We talked about it a little bit already, but he just played that part so well. He was menacing, but at the same time, you know, he was reluctant. And uh, I thought, you know, Chris really played that really well. And it, you know, yeah, I was gonna... he had to be there. You know, 
Yeah. Um, I was going to say, is he also your like standout performance? Is he someone just I'd kind say of Anakin's through? still my standout performance? He, you know, really? Absolutely. He, uh, he played that whole uh, simping for Padme part real well, I thought. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Hayden there's, is, there's also like a bizarre nuance to Hayden's performance in this movie that I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something that is so Anakin about his performance. Simps for senators. Simps for senators. Brayden, what's, uh, who's, who stood out to you in this movie? Who, what is a performance and character that stood out to you? So I think a lot of you who listen to this podcast know that I think my favorite character in this movie is Dexter Jetster for no other reason than everybody else hates him so somebody has to love that man so i love dexter because he's harboring yaddle in the back yeah oh that's right we had we did have our own little (laughs) lore that we came up with but um use that that clip right there as your preview for this yeah that's right that's right um i think a lot of people forget that jar jar is in this movie and this is kind of the beginning of jar jar's fall of whenever padme leaves she appoints jar jar to her spot in the senate and that's a no bueno because we all know what jar jar ends up doing for the galaxy in appointing um emergency powers to palpatine um so that's no good and then you know speaking of palpatine we get this i, I love palpatine this movie because we get this great kind of origin story of him and Anakin's relationship and how he's beginning to groom Anakin of you know how how excited he is that Anakin's in the Jedi Order and all this kind of stuff and that you know when you're an audience member first watching this you're like that's a little creepy um and then you know you got these obscure characters like Poggle the Lesser and Jocasta New I love her arc in Clone Wars um real sassy you know yeah yeah um and I, I've, I've always had a weird fascination with Poggle the Lesser. One, because his name really? is his name is Poggle the Lesser. I mean, yeah, come well, on, that's that so title. weird. Um, I was like, uh, I was like the Techno Union. I was the Techno they Union. Cool. Yeah, the guy with the knobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like, um, he he, he looks like something out of like Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what that's what funny. animators imagine uh, like an alien to be, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think just like those, whenever I think of characters, like from prequels especially, I always think of like the obscure background characters that no one ever gives attention to that I'm like, man, I love this guy, <laughs> you know, like, like Dex and Jocasta New and all those kind of characters. So, yeah, but if we're talking main cast, I do love, you know, Anakin and of course being, being who he is and, you know, being the whiny teenager that we kind of know him to be and i think that even obi-wan's performance is super nuanced in this and it's it's you know he has such a drive to do what is right in this movie and whenever he fails it kind of gets the best of him and then lastly you know christopher lee can do no wrong he is just a master um at acting and his performance is it, it's so deep in this movie and it's so it's it's almost like this is the this is the role he never got when he was in his prime. So he's like, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. Um, I've always loved that about about Dooku and Christopher Lee. So yeah. Um, I know for me, my it's kind of my standout performance. It's not my fa- my favorite character of the 
movie is Obi-Wan's just his investigation. I think just it's Obi-Wan. I've got the man's lightsaber yeah. tattooed on me. Um, but it's Tamara Morrison. It's at, I, and it's him specifically as Django. I think his performance as Django is really cool because especially seeing how in the next movie he plays, you know, the clones and even now he's playing Boba Fett, you know, he's each different iteration. He's been able to kind of give his own performance on. And it's cool seeing that origin and what, choices he made as an actor to kind of give us this little one-off character that we can build more on so i think tem did a a fantastic job and i think this movie really excuse me i think this movie is an awesome introduction for him especially to just have him as a in a star wars movie before he even made it uh, bigger in his area so yeah (laughs) moving on uh we're gonna kind of get through these last little ones really quickly sorry one sec Oh, excuse me. I have heartburn. Um, this movie's themes aren't um, aren't too in your face as kind of the other ones. The rest is more. This movie is mainly focused on story progression. Um, so I think with the themes that we got, they're themes that aren't necessarily the ones you would uh, expect. I don't think they're kind of the main point of the movie. Alan, what do you think some themes of this movie are? I think we talked about it earlier. The, uh, just the investigative stuff. I don't know if you guys have played Fallout, but like Fallout 4 specifically, Nick Valentine, that's his name, right? Yeah. 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 It kind of reminds me of that to an extent, just because. I know he's not like hired as an investigator, but I guess that's like a Jedi skill that they have now. You know, that's he's yeah. he's literally just he's on his own. He's just going step by step. He's he's getting little clues, and uh, he just knows Dexter is the guy to go to, uh, and he goes from there. And I think it's really cool that uh, it just evolves from there. Do you pick up any <clears throat> like life lessons from this movie that you would that like? Is there anything you noticed in this movie that you're like, wow, that's kind of a that's kind of a powerful statement. That's kind of a powerful moment. Uh, what you said about Padme towards the beginning of the movie, how our uh, I don't know the exact quote, but basically our mentors kind of uh, y- you said it earlier. What was it? It was they they basically oh, kind of our, our our mentors. Um, they they have a way of seeing more of our faults than we would like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a good one because you know she's right. You know you don't you don't always want to hear hear what you're doing wrong, but sometimes that's what you need. Uh, yeah, exactly. To, to get to the next step of where you're where you're trying to be. And I think that that is a really great standout theme of this movie is you know failure and learning from that failure. I mean, not as not as prominent with things like The Last Jedi and things like The Rise of Skywalker, but we really get Anakin being being tested like he hasn't before. I mean, he he's always been in these crazy situations with Obi Wan and like on these little adventures, but I don't think that he's really been in such a life kind of state of the galaxy threatening situation as he is in this movie um, beforehand. So I, I think that that's, that's a pretty good um, theme. And I also think another thing we always bring up is kind of destiny and fate. And I think that Anakin kind of sees him and Padme's relationship as fate because of how they met and you know, how he, hasn't stopped thinking about her because he, he knows they're destined to be together. And I think that's really powerful, but you know, the Jedi do not like that and they don't want Anakin to be like that. And that gives Anakin this conflict that I think eventually draws him towards the dark side because he cares more about 
Padme and her living than um, than the good of the galaxy. So yeah, I've always I've always thought that this movie in general, theme wise, is a good bridging point from Anakin's where where Anakin's head is at right now, and where Anakin ends up in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. About you, Jackson. Um, pick, piggybacking off of that, I, I I say this. This is kind of specifically towards Anakin, but <clears throat> Anakin's biggest struggle in this is that everyone he's kind of been raised that he's different. He's this prodigy. He's this. He's the chosen one. And when Anakin runs into problems that are very common, um, especially for somebody his age, I mean, hell, I remember being nineteen years old. I yeah, yeah, I was angsty and angry and didn't want to take responsibility for any of the actions that I caused. But I also knew and and was told at that age too, that that's normal. That's just part mm-hmm. of growing up. You want everyone to understand you and you want to be seen as this big adult. And the, uh, the, the reality is, is you may not be, most people aren't at that age. Anakin's a bit of a different situation, but he's also not, he's still someone who's just very much learning and him himself is, he gets very angry about, about that. So I, the theme I'm saying is essentially is that it's all normal. It's just part of growing up. It's just part of becoming a person and, you know, transitioning into the adult that you are. And that's kind of Anakin's uh, hold back in this is that no one really told him that no one told him that these feelings are OK. And it sucks even more that he's a Jedi that he has to suppress. And well, he hide even those. says that, like, he's trying to convince Padme that, like, him him loving her is OK. And he's saying, like, yeah, attachments forbidden and, you know getting married and all that kind of stuff is forbidden, but you yeah. know, compassion, a little bit of compassion <laughs> never hurt anybody. Right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well that's themes. Let's talk about, let's talk about the music of this movie. Cause this movie, um, it's got some bangers in it too. Yeah. Um, I, I, I listen to the love theme slash the, uh, Republic March. Uh, and that's on my liked music on Spotify. So that's part of my kind of routine from this movie. Alan, what are some, what are some songs are that stick out and what are, what you may not know what the song is, what, what moment in a movie where the music stuck out to? So I love the, uh, I don't know if it's called the Padme theme, but whenever they're right after, I want to say it's right after the, uh, the sand pickup line that he uses. I hate sand. Uh, that's, I feel oh, like you're thinking of across the stars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely yeah. don't know the names like you guys, but you know, it still stuck out to me. And I, I kind of touched on it earlier. The, uh, again, I don't know if it's called the Vader theme. You could correct me, but, uh, Imperial Imperial March. March. Yeah. thank yeah. you. Yeah. See, <laughs> uh, when Anakin's talk, talking about killing, uh, you know, that's when you, you first really see like the evil come out of him, you know? And, uh, yeah, it, that was pretty, you know, that really hits. Cause you're like, damn, like, and Padme, she's got that look. She's like, damn, like, you know, he just, he just killed a bunch of people, you know, maybe not people, but you know, essentially people. And uh, I thought that that Vader theme really stuck out to me. That one really gave me some uh, some goosebumps when I was watching it earlier today. Braden, what about you? What are some music scenes and moments that stick out? I think John Williams was like, y'all know I had to bring Duel of the Fates back. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> because the response to Duel of the Fates was so positive it's coming so, out of the Phantom Menace. So good. It's Gotta so use it twice. Good. And the way that he kind of juxtaposes Duel of the Fates in the Phantom Menace kind of being with this, you know, battle of Jedi and Sith and like this fate, the fate of this young boy into this young boy 
turned kind of Jedi Padawan enraged and kind of, you know, he's not in control of himself. And that's when the Duel of the Fates kicks in because it's just such a powerful theme. Um, and, you know, like Alan said, Across the Stars is such a powerful theme, too. And it's just such a good theme. Um, it kind of it, it reminds me of my feelings towards like, you know, Leia's theme and the Ray theme. It's just like this beautiful musical moment that holds so much emotional weight that I've always loved. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I think uh, overall... This is a kind of a hectic movie, but it's got a lot and it introduces a lot. And I, I think it's a it's a good movie to showcase characters um, before they're necessarily important, um, just to at least give us that backstory and what it is. Um, Alan, do you have any other thoughts? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, like I said before, I think it's just a really good bridge between the first and third movies. You know, uh, they could have definitely done a worse job. Uh, cough, cough, episode eight. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all I got, though. Just wait until we get to you? the last Jedi episode. I will convince you to love that movie. But um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a four-hour episode. I'm very, episode. <laughs> I'm very open to, to you changing my mind. But just wait, just wait. Um, but yeah, I think that th- there's a couple things we didn't talk about. They're like small things, but um, that moment when Jar Jar looks into the camera, like kind of like a wink, wink. There's like a frame <laughs> yeah. where Jar Jar looks into the camera and winks. We're like, okay, George, I know what you're doing there. Um. And um, then in that, go ahead, Jackson. Why does Anakin's hair look like that? Like not not like the braid, but the like 90s, why it's, a... it's 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 the top of his hair. It just looks fuzzy. Like it just. Looks I think like it's because it's... they were going after the Obi Wan look from Phantom Menace. That's fair. Yeah, it's kind of just the but young Hayden Christensen's hair. It's a little <laughs> more like wavy and curly, so it it like didn't work as well as the Obi Wan hair yeah. did. Um, <clears throat> but and then we also get. In the nightclub sequence, we get cameos from Ahmed Best and Katie Lucas and um, Anthony Daniels, like in person. I think that I always thought that was really oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. But, you know, overall, I think that this is the weakest and messiest Star Wars movie in the most positive way. I still think this is a great Star Wars movie, but I think of all of them, this is the weakest and messiest. And I think that this is kind of, me and Jackson were kind of talking about this earlier about how. With this movie, I can really only watch it once in a while. Because if I watch, because I before the this recent watch, I watched it like a month ago, and already watching it, I was like, "All right, come on, let's get going." I'm kind of bored. Let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that overall, I think this is a solid entry into the Skywalker saga, and you know, there's so many powerful moments and a lot of moments that speak to just the entire saga itself. And there's so many memorable moments and quotes out of this movie that, that I love so much. So, um, yeah, I just, there's just so much, so many movies and so many moments and other films that I like more than this one. But I think this is, this is a solid film and I, I like it a lot. Well, groovy. Well, groovy. Alan, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us and chatting with us. I, I, can't express how awesome it is that you know you reached out and were able to you know ask us to join and we'd love that we've got people listening and able to join alan where can they find you on social media so people can give you a follow uh twitter and instagram you can you can find me at uh champagne alzy it's champagne and then alzy 
groovy. Um, you can find us at uh, Through Imperial Eyes on just kind of our normal, uh, that's Instagram and Facebook. Uh, our Twitter is at Imperialized Pod, and then you can search us on YouTube, Anchor, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, you can find me personally on Twitter at Quacks and Scaling. That's Q-U-A-C-K-S-O-N, Scaling like the triangle. And then my photography Instagram is at Deline underscore photography. Deline spelled D-A-L-E-E-N. Braden, what about you? What are your socials? You can find me on Instagram at Braden Ledbetter and on Twitter at Braydathalon. Um, and guys, don't forget to leave a review. Leave a like in the comments. Subscribe to the channel. It'll be a great Leave awesome that time. rating and review, please. Uh, no, but please leave us a review to ask, you know, tell us how we're doing. We'd love to see feedback and that definitely just helps us out and, you know, getting that feedback and seeing what people's thoughts are. And don't be afraid to send in questions. You know, you don't can be send them. Uh, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. It'll be fun. Send, send us, us a message. Don't be scared. Yeah, we'll post it on Twitter every once in a while. But like, it's your responsibility too to send us something if you got something sneaking on it your mind. It is your civil duty <laughs> listening to this podcast to send us a question uh, every you week. You know, we didn't we didn't talk about quotes, but uh, uh, an offhand one is how Palpatine says, "I love democracy" in his speech. I love I democracy. Love democracy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that's that's kind of all. You can uh, you can tune into our main show, which comes out on Thursdays, and uh, this will come out you know on Saturdays. And uh, tune in next week for we just have a, a news special or news episode next time, and then after that, our Imperial Cantina will be doing Revenge of the Sith, which is uh, right. in my top three for Star Wars. So I'm excited for it. Um, you guys got anything else? Um, no, that's it. Uh, Uba. Alright guys Well thanks for hanging, thanks for talking And uh, as always May the force be with you And also with you